So we're going to call the meeting back to order. So the uh, ACB Board of Directors meeting uh, for the 2021 DC Leadership Conference is now back in session from recess. And we are now at item number 12, which is our ACB radio report from Debbie Hazelton, our uh, program director, and Rick Morin, our technical director. So take it away, guys. The title changed, but the work is still the same. It's a very (laughs) robust team. And I think one of the things that's happened a lot in this last year is the team has become more cohesive and it continues to grow. So we have, uh, it's really been a great transition having Rick with us. I mentioned that earlier. Rick's been with us, but I think now, oh man, he's really, really into the day-to-day of everything. Uh, We're adding another production person to our team, and um, I have to get back in touch with them and let them know, but it's someone else who was with us many years ago who Jim Pemberton says is an awesome producer. Um, we added three more people last year. We have a Reaper course. It's our second one taught by Derek Lane, and I think we're up to maybe 18 people or so signed in, and you could still, I mean, if you're with ACB Radio and you know how to, you want to audio edit, I think um, we're just in our second week. Um, we're still adding people who really want it. It's $100, um, but we're very excited about this. Um, and let's see, uh, we're working on, ex- on streaming things, trying to get more notice from even our staff so that we're not being expected to just sort of jump at the last minute, but we're trying to make sure that when ACB suddenly decides they're going to stream something, it's like, oops, okay, let's make sure ACB Radio is in this equation. So that ACB Radio, as what you're going to hear about tomorrow as ACB Media, is very inclusive across the board, and that we're bringing ACB to you in every possible way that we can, and that includes all the way to the phone and all social media. Um, Our conventions, we're still doing virtual conventions, and we're booked all the way into the third week of October. So if you ask when you can do one, we're probably going to tell you it'll be the end of October or November. We're not adding uh, just to to get ourselves stacked up with with three or more going on at a time. Uh, Florida is going to be hybrid in the end of April, early May. And we know that this is how we're going to go with others that are already talking about hybrid. I think this is the way of the future. Uh, And that means we're doing the streaming. We're telling our affiliates, we will stream remotely for you. And we will help you with your Zoom and we'll help you talk through, think through, get your hotel uh, thought through working with the audio visual. And, um, but we're doing our, we're doing the streaming. I think that's one thing we're going to stay, stay on. Um, So um, we're planning more training for hosts that will be like convention hosts Uh, and other activity hosts beyond community calls, but we're also recommending that everyone be trained, every broadcaster, every streamer be Zoom host trained by Cindy and Cindy's 
people. We're talking with our broadcasters about what are the differences in streaming between virtual and in-person, and we're identifying some of those things of what that is, and that's really good. Uh, We're working to... um, People keep asking us, is there a charge for convention? And right now, my instructions have been from uh, from you all or from above that right now we're still not charging for conventions, but we're realizing that many affiliates are donating, and that's wonderful. I, thought we, I thought we worked worked for toffee. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, sure, Rick. <laughs> um, but we're uh, we're working with affiliates, and many are donating, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, to have that because in many ways it supersedes what was charged. Um, We know we all get too much email. And so we are going to do away with the friends announce uh, the friends list of ACB radio. And we're going to concentrate on radio dash announce radio dash announce at ACB lists.org. We know many of you have gotten way too much email on that list, and Deb Lewis and I totally agree. So what we've been trying to do is gather up the community calls that are going to be on in a given day and really combine it with other calls or other shows that are going to be on mainstream or other streams that day and put them out in as few one or few emails as possible. Um And we think that's helping, but we want to do an even better job. What we really want to do is get a Google form and have all the programs that are on for that day. And even that week, like what Cindy's doing, it's just going to take some work yet. We still have a lot more to do with our mainstream schedule. Uh, We have a lot more to get off the server, and that's going to take some new software. Our server software is so antiquated. It's it's brittle and it's really hard to get everything off of there without running the risk of it coming down. But we do intend to get to changing our mainstream schedule. And and a lot of it is letting Rick have time to get through the transition, but also groups.io and the leadership seminar and everything else that's been happening. Um, Live 365, many of you heard about we have cafe on there and we really want to get all of our streams on there, which is going to allow us to be licensed. If the more we can get all of our streams on there, the more we will not preempt anyone. And oh my God, if Rick Lewis still talks to me, um, we have preempted ride on our cafe and I'm sure we've we're preempting people on mainstream today, but ACB business, ACB events, need to take priority still the more that we can get our streams covered the more that we will have the room to not preempt anyone um uh, live 365 will also give us a lot more visibility and we'll be talking about that tomorrow in the exciting acb media discussion um, but we'll be in their database And people who peruse for any number of reasons will find us. So that's very exciting. Um, Fundraising. uh, We know that ACB Radio can make money. We have shown that this past weekend with our fundraiser, the Valentine's concert that Jason Castingway gave us. And if you have not yet donated, I, I really 
uh, encourage, implore you to please go to tinyurl.com slash ACB radio. We started with a goal of 1,000. And uh, now we, the last I saw, we are at 3,000. What is it? 3,900. So we want to get to 5,000. And if you guys go over that, well, then we may raise that goal even further. But I know we can. And you'll get the MP3 of this two-hour concert that was absolutely fabulous. Uh, We also are going to go to affiliate-level sponsorship. Bits contacted us. And um, Tony said they wanted to redo, have just have what we did last year. But we know we cannot do ads. We've gotten that message very clearly. No advertising. But we can do underwriting. So, uh, Tony Stevens rewrote what we had for bits. It's beautiful. He recorded it with a music bed. And so we're going to uh, take affiliate level sponsorship. I believe we're going to do it during the month of March. Get them done and ready and have your ads on the air, not ads, your sponsorships on the air from April through August. That way, uh, everyone can learn about you during convention. So I think that's really going to be very exciting. I love having having you all out there. And uh, I think uh, ACB Radio Roundtable, we know many of you want more of that first Saturday of the month is when it's going to be. And uh, chewing the fat first Thursday of the month. But ACB Radio Roundtable, more educa- more educational things about what we're doing. Um, and, and I think maybe some of that uh, moderator training might happen in some of those. We'll see. But I think that's everything for me at this point. Um, you may have questions for me, but I want to make sure. Rick? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I, okay. you, you said a lot of what I was going to say, but well, that was on um, my plate. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, you know, thanks, Debbie, and and uh, you know, I have to uh, just let everybody know that Debbie is the rock of AC of ACB Radio. She's our creative and spiritual leader, and uh, you know, the ACB Radio wouldn't be what it is without Debbie. So. Thank you, Debbie, for that. Thank you, Rick. And it's a real pleasure to work with you as well. Thank you for the kind words. Um, over the uh, since the beginning of the year, I've been transitioning from uh, from Jason over to me, and uh, I, I think that's gone reasonably well. Still, you know, there's still a lot for me to learn, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm a quick study, and um, so far, so good. I think. Um, one of the things that you're probably all noticing, right? The reason why you know we're talking about hybrids and doing a lot of hybrid stuff remotely is that Zoom quality has gotten incredible. Um, they now support stereo and you know high definition video and stereo. Um, uh, we actually brought, uh, transmitted um, via Zoom in stereo Jason's concert. Um, when we play video, uh, pre-recorded video that has a stereo soundtrack, that'll go out go out in stereo. So, so, so that's that's really really cool. And uh, you know, we would encourage folks to get as much bandwidth as you can. Uh, the more bandwidth, the better you sound. As Debbie said, Live three sixty five. Um, 
we've um right now we're still we're simulcasting between the old way and the new way we need to shift all the way over to live 365 part of that's going to be and debbie touched on this too is to um look at how we're doing automation and consider some new options on how we do automation um you know debbie said our infrastructure is brittle we got some very very old technology that um you know that um, uh, we know how it works but we're unable to change it um and, and that to me is the is the big issue so um the uh in terms of infrastructure you know we're working with the louisville group and we're working right now about and, and jeff talked about this too about um and i think eric even mentioned this as well um we're looking at the IT infrastructure, um, and um, you know there's some work going on now to to um, recast uh, the environment into a more standard environment over what what we are currently running, and uh, we're looking forward to some some good progress being made in that area. Um, one of the things uh, you know with live three, with live 365 we want to refresh our our uh, ACB radio cafe content so if there's anybody out there that that has a hankering for wanting to um, start working with blind artists and and building a library of, of new material from blind artists we'd, we'd love to have you come on board and help us out um talked about automation uh acbmedia.org um this really ought to be something jeff talks about but acbmedia.org is something that we're putting together you'll hear a lot about acb acb media tomorrow uh jeff is is building this acb media uh, we are going to have some enhanced search capabilities and um on podcasts as a result of that but we're also going to use it as an aggregator for a, a lot of um, a lot of content um, so you know the whole point of acb media is that uh, this whole thing is is bigger than what's been traditionally acb radio and and uh, we're all very very excited about that groups.io you heard me talk about that earlier today um, one thing that we that may be a problem with groups.io we're getting some reports of uh, some email not being delivered and it seems to be getting gobbled up at the isp level uh, which was part of the problem with the old system too uh, but it's it's not happening um, in large numbers but it is happening enough to be uh, worrisome and it's uh, comcast seems to be one of the carriers that it's happening the most in so we're monitoring that we're watching that and uh, um you know there, there may be some things about how we're um you know how we're actually constructing our email messages that may be triggering some spam filtering that's happening at the isp so we're going to try to get to the bottom of that uh, as debbie said we're we're in the process of rebuilding our mainstream schedule. That's a pretty big endeavor. What we're trying to do with that, our goal with that, is to bring a lot of the, a lot of the community uh, content um, into into the mainstream schedule on a scheduled basis, and also get get a whole lot of new content. So right now we roughly have, I think it's, uh, I don't know, I think like twenty four hours a week of of 
of content that we spread over seven days of 24 hours. So we've got basically six days of 24 hours that, that we can fill with new content. Our goal is to play things once or twice a week and fill everything else with new content, um, which is a lot different than what we've done in mainstream in the past. Mainstream in the past is we've replayed and replayed and replayed stuff. Now we've got so much stuff happening that there's really no reason why we can't build out that schedule. So we're doing that. State conventions, all kinds of good stuff going there. Debbie talked about hybrids. Uh, one of the things about national convention, which we haven't talked about yet, is we're going to we're looking at how we um, do things internally from a project management standpoint a little bit differently. And we're uh, we're in the process of putting together a database on how we schedule resources. And, um, and, and manage all of the, the various moving parts. Um, as you can imagine, um, you know, the, the, there, there's a ton of, of moving parts. We learned a hell of a lot from last year's convention. Um, and, um, it, it, you know, this year, last year, we didn't know what we didn't know. This year, we, uh, we know a lot more and we're, uh, we want to, you know, not have some of the issues we had last year, but we also want to up our game and that's going to require that we just, um, you know, have our arms around things that much better. So, so we're in the process of doing that. Um, video production. Um, anybody that knows me knows that video is one of my passions and something that I talk about every opportunity I have. Um, just a, an observation and um, you know when we did last year's convention did the survey there were, and I'm going to talk about this tomorrow too um, people with with usable vision scored video very very high in terms of of you know why they found the the convention meaningful to them um, as we're doing I've done a whole bunch of auctions of light and increasingly, we're hearing people ask for video of the act of the auction items being asked for um, in the auctions. So, um, it, it, you know, the point of all that is 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 that there there's just this. Um, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of sighted people uh, watching our stuff. Uh, in addition to. Uh, internal stuff. The low vision community is is starting to get more engaged than they have in the past, and uh, what that's going to all mean is that there's going to be a lot, a lot of opportunities for video production work. Um, so anybody that's interested in video production, you know, between Alexandria and myself, we'd we'd love to get you engaged in video production. So um, you know, bear that in mind. It's it's really a lot of fun, and that's it. Unless anybody's, right, well, got, unless anybody's got questions. Thank, thank you, Debbie and Rick. And um, any questions for Debbie and Rick related to ACB radio uh, update? Okay. Uh, the second item that was on the agenda related to ACB radio, which was a report that was included in your board packet, was um, written by Tony Stevens, Debbie, and, and Rick, kind of, with the understanding that, again, as we move forward with our policies and procedures, one of the things that we really need to integrate, uh, thinking about it from an ACB standpoint, we, we have typically, you know, we've had a policy for this department and that department, but not 
policies and procedures that kind of fit under the entire umbrella of ACB. And so, as we're growing, we're learning that people are both ACB radio broadcasters and they might be Zoom hosts for the community calls and they might be facilitators and uh, they're, you know, doing special events and people are wearing lots of different hats. So, basically, this report is just laying out that uh, we realize that there is a need there for integration between our different uh, policies and procedures. And I don't think there's anything, uh, I'll, I'll let Debbie and Rick and Tony talk to this. I don't think there's necessarily anything to vote on at this point in time. They just wanted to make sure the board uh, was aware of the fact that uh, ACB radio policy and procedures have to be kind of integrated across the board of the code of conduct and our community events policies and, and other policies that we're developing as well. So, um, Tony or Debbie, uh, Rick, any additional comments there? I just would say that it's kind of like the crawl before you walk. We've had an ACB radio agreement that goes all the way back to when ACB radio started in 2000. And, and I remember rewriting it when I was the assistant managing director in 15 and 16, and we worked on it like crazy. And now it's, it's something that, you know, over this last year, every now and then I've been taking it out and, and playing with it again and just gave it to Tony a couple of weeks ago. And now you know, there's been a lot more discussion about ACB radio and community and, and you know, what happens when different things come up. And, and we, we're going to do a better job of making sure that everyone has that agreement, including guests, that we have something that really lets guests know what's expected of them when they participate in our events and on, a, and on ACB radio. Thank you, uh, thank you, Debbie. And you know, I know we'll we'll we, we have that as a as a rock here for the upcoming quarter. And uh, you know, I think that is something we hope to kind of again continue to mature and professionalize and have in place for our pre-convention board meeting. Um, did was somebody seeking the floor, or I just heard a noise there? Um, okay. Uh, thank you, Debbie. Any. Any other comments for our ACB radio team? If not, can I have a motion to approve the ACB radio report, please? So moved, Ray Campbell. All right, Ray has moved. Do I have a second? second? Doug. Doug Powell is seconded. Any discussion? All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. We've got a lot of people on mute. Okay. <laughs> opposed? Hi. Okay. I got a few eyes and no opposed. So I would say the motion carried. And we're now going to go on to, again, thank you, Debbie and Rick. Exciting stuff going on with ACB Radio, moving to ACB Media Network. So thank you guys so much. Uh, next is item 13, uh, which is our Board of Publications report from Penny Reader, BOP, uh, B BOP Director. So, Penny, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so, the BOP has been busy, as we always are. We meet every month, the first Tuesday of the month. Um, one of the things we recently did was we interviewed um, a, a number of candidates, uh, or people who had um, not, they weren't candidates, but they had um, volunteered to be 
perhaps be moderators or administrators for the new ACB conversation list. We had several people to interview. They were uh, a variety, came from a variety of places, and several of them were new to ACB. We thought that was really cool. Um, some of them had come in through community and are now hosting community shows. Uh, one of them found out about us from Hadley. And the cool thing uh, that she said when she first introduced herself was how favorably she is impressed she is by our concentration on our core values and how we we uh, publicize them and really remind people of them every chance we get. And she really, really liked that. So we um, selected two uh, candidates among those that we interviewed and we presented our findings to the BOP meeting um, earlier this month. And so two people were selected by the BOP and we are in the process of letting them know and giving them a little training. Um, and also uh, Katie Frederick, who is um, also on the BOP um, as a, what, an ex-officio member. Um, anyway, Katie is going to be um, helping out with moderating that list. So the name of the list is ACB Conversation. It's going to replace ACBL and be a much better place for conversation. We hope that every everyone is going to be subscribed. And then, of course, if you don't want to be on the list, you can unsubscribe. But we hope you'll give it a chance. Um, and we hope that board members especially will give it a chance because, you know, it's important for us all to know uh, each other and our members and have a chance to share ideas. So um, anyway, we're excited about that. Um, Another thing I wanted to tell you is that it's getting to be time for uh, you to nominate uh, people and publications for the BOP awards. There's a summary of all of our awards in the January Braille Forum. And um, we really hope that uh, we'll get a number of nominations in all the categories because that's how other people learn who we are. And that's how we honor the people who have done a great job in communicating blindness issues and communicating about ACB. Um, let me think about, I have a list here, but I lost my place and I'm not a fast Braille reader. Um, so um, um, the candidate uh, this year, there are going to be a number of positions up for election. Um, and there's going to be an article in the May Braille Forum about the candidates' pages. So if you're going to be running for an office or you're thinking about running for an office in ACB or on the BOP, um, you should definitely check out the May Braille Forum because that will include the questions that we expect people to answer who want to run. Um, and then we are planning two candidates' forums Um that will take place well in advance of convention so that um, our state and special interest affiliates can hold their own candidates forums if they want to. Um, and uh, the BOP, as you know, provides training in uh, publications kinds of topics. And at every year's convention, we usually provide one or two trainings. And one of our most popular trainings has been for editors of newsletters, affiliate newsletters. Um, and we haven't done that for a while. So we're going to be doing that using um, Zoom and the community. And Zelda is going to take charge of that. And it's going to happen uh, next month in March. So watch all the listings of upcoming events because it'll be great. It'll be really good training. 
Um, and let's see, there's one, oh, the one final thing I forgot to tell you is that the Board of Publications meetings are now going to be broad, uh, streamed on ACB radio. And uh, we've always encouraged all of our members to come to meetings, but we hope this will really increase the number of people who want to come and listen to our meetings. And um, that should begin on March 2nd, which will be our next Board of Publications meeting. Um, does anybody have any questions for me? Yes, not. Thank you, guys. Very Andy, much. this is Dan, and I just want to say, uh, get I have the opportunity to participate in the BOP uh, meetings as an ex officio member, and I'm. I, I continue to be really impressed by all the hard work that everybody puts in, but I really uh, want to continue to emphasize the wonderful work that's happening with the Braille Forum with the different themes. Uh, you know, we did audio description in February, low vision in March, uh, multicultural affairs in April. Our committees are getting involved in this, our special interest affiliates, and it's really driving great articles and great conversation. Uh, we think so, too, Dan. We're really excited about it. And um, we're also going to be uh, including the editorial calendar, which is also being developed, and try to sync the forum with the calendar as much as possible, too. So uh, yeah, we're very excited about that. I think the Braille Forum is just getting better and better all the time, and we're happy about that. Thank you, Penny. All right. Any, any questions for Penny? If not, I'd like to have a motion to approve the BOP report. This is Donna. Doug. Oh, <laughs> Donna moves and Doug seconds. <laughs> yeah. Any discussion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Penny, thank you. Excellent job. Well done. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Item 14 is a report uh, from our convention uh coordinator uh janet dickelman on on our 21 virtual convention our 22 omaha convention our 23 schaumburg convention and and other things that are on her mind so janet all right i could talk for a long time but i know you don't want that today so i will <laughs> i will talk about things that i really want the board to know and then i will be talking tomorrow also so you can feel free to cut me off at any time dan all right, first of all, the big question um, that I know everyone is wondering about is the Phoenix contract for the convention that we were supposed to hold in Phoenix in 2021. Due to some good work between the Hyatt and, well, we had the attorneys involved, but myself and the Hyatt, we were able to get the contract. We were released from our contract with no penalty and no obligation to rebook in Phoenix. So that is really something. And we have decided, we ta I talked to Phoenix and it isn't gonna work out for us to rebook cost-wise. We just couldn't get the cost that we wanted and with some other issues with the hotel. So I don't think we're going to be in Phoenix. However, we do wanna keep things in the Hyatt family if we can, since the Phoenix Hyatt was so good about letting us out of their contract. I do have a couple of bids from Hyatt's that I would like the board to consider. And these are for, Jan for 2024 at the Hyatt in Jacksonville and for 2025 at the Hyatt in Dallas. 
Now, we were at the Sheraton in Dallas before, so this is not where we were before in Dallas. This is the Hyatt. The um, Jacksonville Hyatt is the same hotel that we were at in 2006. Um, six or five, I'm sorry, I don't recall. I believe it's six, but yeah. yeah. So um, they're both very good hotels. They're both offering us a $99 rate, which for 24 and 25 booking this far out is really phenomenal. Um, I'm still working with the hotel on things like food and beverage and um, AV and other things. I'm also working with the Convention and Visitors Bureau in those two cities to see what they can come up with. So what I would certainly like the board to consider letting me pursue contracts with Jacksonville in 2024 and Dallas in 2025. Uh, Janet, this is Dan. Yes. Would you be okay um, that give you a little more time to gather information? We, we will have a virtual board meeting in April. If perhaps that could be on the agenda for a good discussion then for, for those two venues. I'm not sure that the hotels will be willing to wait that long, to be honest oh, with really? you. Oh, really? We're in that because for 24 and 25? They're really very anxious to get this booked. Of course, you know, all the hotels are anxious for business and getting things on the books. If the board isn't, you know, able to make, I mean, these look like I've looked over the bids. Nancy's looked over the bids. There are some things like we are talking with them about reducing the food and beverage minimum. And I'm not going to sign a contract if we can't get that reduced and making sure that our AV needs are met. Um, so it's, I mean, if the board doesn't feel comfortable letting me pursue these contracts, I will work with the hotels to see what I can do. But I just, I can't guarantee that we'll have them. But you can, you know, it's up certainly up to the board. Um, Dan, Dan, I'm willing to go ahead and make a motion to, to accept that. Uh, let her go ahead and uh, see if we can get it passed if you want me to. I'm willing to second that. Okay. Um, I All trust right. our staff and Janet to uh, their work. Yeah. All right. So, um, all right. So we have a motion from David to, for the bo board to approve <laughs> um, uh, authorizing Janet, Nancy, Eric, and team to negotiate uh, contracts for Jacksonville in 2024 at the Hyatt, Hyatt and Dallas in 2025. So, and under discussion, Dan, I would just say that uh, uh, Janet kind of said this, but I, I think I think we 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 need to move on this right away. As I say, I trust Janet and Nancy and all of our staff involved to do their due diligence on this, but I think we have to move on this because. The, the way that the travel industry has been so hard hit by this pandemic, they are looking to, there is a lot of stuff that's going to get rebooked uh, years down the road. And uh, if we don't jump now, we're liable not to get what we get our dates and things like that. So I think we need to move forward. Janet, I, I'd like to have um, provide some input about uh, how we approach AV in these negotiations sure, that's fine. in order to facilitate, you know, hybrids in the future. So, um, yeah, we may yeah, want to I'll take a slight, slightly different approach, but, you know, good deal. All right. Uh, heard from Ray. Are there, mm -hmm. is there other discussion from board members? Yes, this is Jeff. Um, yes, Jeff. Janet, 
Um, in your discussions with hotels, with um, Eric, with Dan, um, have you expressed the thought or talked about the concern, especially a couple of years out after we get back to some sort of normal that people are going to decide, especially if, if we determine to eventually have some kind of hybrid voting structure, that we're going to have a bigger struggle making our room nights if, if we have yes. the current numbers? I, I know where you're going with this, Jeff, and yes, I have. Okay. And before I sign any contract, I will take certainly take that into account and work with the hotel. It's, you know, it's a it's a fine line trying to figure out making sure we have enough space if we have, but yes, I I certainly will and am talking to them about that. Yeah, and we've had those discussions, uh, Janet yes. and Nancy and I. Thank you. Any any other questions for Janet related to this motion? All right. Hearing none, I'll go ahead and call the question. All those in favor uh, of the motion to have uh, authorization to proceed with negotiating contracts for the Hyatt in Jacksonville in 2024 and the Hyatt in Dallas in 2025, uh, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Those motions Aye. have passed. Thank you, Thank Janet. You. Thank you so much. All right. I can, I can go on. I have other things to talk about if you would like me to. Um, our theme for 2021, ACB Better Together Wherever We Are, which I think really typifies our virtualness again for this year. And that was submitted by Janine Stanley. Thank you very much for... And I must have had about 80 theme submissions from people. It was just amazing. I, I sent the message out, and within 15 minutes, I had 30 emails. Mm -hmm. So it, it was a lot of fun. I've been working with the convention planning committee, all the affiliate program chairs and the committee program chairs, and they're getting their snippets and information into me. If you are the officer liaison for an affiliate or committee, remind them that, I mean, they know this, but the deadline for pre-registration is April 1st, and the deadline for the program is April 20th. Um, I'll go through a little bit more tomorrow about how the structure of the convention is going to be, so I won't do that right now. Um, our convention registration will open on May 20th and close on June 28th, and then we will be reopened for registration during the convention. We are going to have five streams on ACB Radio for just our sessions. So I'm trying to work with all the affiliates and the committees to try to make sure we don't, if we have sessions that want to be streamed, that we don't have more than five at a time during throughout the convention. We, that does not include our streaming channels for our exhibit hall and also for our audio described tours, which will be back again in 2021. The exhibit hall is going to be restructured a little bit differently um, the one thing that we're going to do for all the exhibitors is if they would like to set up their 
Zoom rooms. We will provide links and contact information and hours for those convention Zoom rooms. I did that at our state convention in Minnesota, and several of the vendors said they really, really like that. So I think that's going to work well for our national convention. I believe we're going to, last year we thought it, I, we thought it would be helpful to move sessions around from day to day, I think to keep ACB radio from going crazy. And um, we are going to keep the convention sessions, uh, the vendor sessions at the same time each day so that you'll know when your particular vendor is going to be there each day. It's not going to change. Um, sorry about my phone in the background. Um, we are working on the program committee is working on the general session agenda. We are trying to make sure that we can allow time for our uh, voting, our virtual voting. So we're trying to make sure we fit in time for that. We're, are planning to go a little bit longer on Friday afternoon for any last minute voting. Uh, you've probably seen our announcement that Peter Sagel from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is going to be our banquet speaker. And I can't believe the number of emails, <laughs> positive emails I had on that one. And yes, Kim Charlson, who just joined the meeting, Kim worked on that. And thank you very much for getting Peter, Kim. We also have our talking book narrator, who is J.P. Linton. I wasn't familiar with him, but I went in and I saw, I got his bio, which I um, will send out, and uh, went in and listened to some of a couple of his books. And he really is a very good narrator. I've spoken with him. He's very personable. He's willing to work, um, present also at Lewis session and be auctioned off as a for a phone call with JP as part of our auction. So that'll be great. One of um, his best narrations was The Martian. The, yeah, the was it? Okay. That's, a lot of people really. Yep, I've got I know he did. A, he's done a lot of science fiction and some history. And yeah, he's. And they made a movie out of that. too. Yep. I think he's going to be a very good narrator. Um, we, again, this year are going to have a lot of things recorded. Um, we're going to start pretty soon working on the affiliate roll call, which will be recorded as it was last year. Also, the ACB Angels, the scholarship presentations, uh, as well as the DKM and J.P. Morgan Chase winners are going to be pre-recorded. I uh, heard talk a little bit about the Omaha dates for the fall board meeting. And of course, that's up to what the board decides to do. But we do have that scheduled right now for October 9th and 10th of 2021. Uh, the Omaha convention is July 1st, 2022 through July 8th, 2022. Room rate is $96. And then Schaumburg in 2023. June 30th to July 7th, and that is $98. And that, Mr. <coughs> President, is Shannon, my report. I'm assuming that the motion passed. My computer crashed. That's why I vanished. So It did. Okay. Well, I would have voted yes, too, if I had Okay. <laughs> so, thank you. Does anyone have any other questions of me? Janet? Thank you for that excellent report. And uh, 
I would like a motion to approve I the move. convention report. <laughs> Doug Powell has moved. I got my uh, hand on my space bar fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> and who's seconded? Patrick seconded. <laughs> and Patrick Sheehan has seconded. Okay, Doug has moved. Patrick has seconded. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. All right. Did I hear? No, that wasn't an opposed. That, that, was, that was a late eye. <laughs> that was a late eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoom, you never know exactly. Yeah. Just a Just, quick question. Yes. yes. Janet, what did you say the room rate was in Omaha? Uh, 90... 96. 96. I'm sorry, I had to go back and look. All right. All thank right, you so gonna, much, Janet. I'm going to leave you guys and go back and listen on ACB radio. So uh, I'll talk you. with you all tomorrow. Bye. Thank you, bye, bye. 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 See you tomorrow. <laughs> bye. All right. Next on our agenda is item 15, a report from our voting ad hoc task force. Uh, all right. Pat Sheehan, chair, and Jeff Tom, co-chair. So Pat, Jeff, and team, we have and several team. For uh, uh, task force members that are with us. So, Pat, well, uh, please take it away. Thank you, Dan. Since we've talked about stipends, since we've talked about uh, candidates forum and all that, let's talk about elections. Um, first, I want to thank my team that I've uh, that we assembled. We met five times uh, since the beginning of December. Um, Jeff is my uh, co-chair. Will Will Burley. Ray Campbell, Charleston, Michael Garrett, Maria Hansen, John Hoffman, John McCann, Rick Morin, Matt Selm, Tony Sims, Eric, and Dan, Nancy, and Clark, all and Kelly Gask, all participated on this team. Um, I didn't hear you say Maria Kristich. Yeah, Maria. <laughs> Maria uh, okay. K and Maria H. They were very valuable. Um, you guys have seen the proposal, uh, but what I'd like to do is to walk through uh, the issues because I know we have some people on ACB radio who haven't seen what we did with remote voting. And uh, so I have uh, subject matter experts in this group that are gonna take various portions. Um, I think first we wanna take a look at what problem are we trying to solve? Uh, last year when we came up with a virtual convention, we had five board positions that we asked the board to uh, stay on for one more year. Uh, we try to figure out what was going on with virtual conventions and COVID. Uh, they agreed and now we're, that was 2020 and now we're at 20, 21, and now we have elections coming up for officers. So going into this convention, we are going to have five officer positions, uh, five officer positions, five board positions, and three BOP positions uh, that are going to be up for elections. So we need to come up with a um, way that we can do remote voting. We looked, we looked at several uh, issues. One of them was, uh, what did our constitution say? Um, we looked at uh, a process for voting uh, and we've come up with some decisions on that. And so I'd like uh, maybe Jeff, uh, 
talk to me about some of the decisions we made with respect to uh, the process going forward. Uh, I think we had three or four decisions that we came up with with respect to remote voting. And then we'll jump into uh, Ray and John McCann for the Constitution piece. And we'll talk to the Maria's, Maria H and Maria K, talk to us about what we want to do for solutions. So some of the principles that we felt we had to abide by included the need to stick as closely as we could to what was in the Constitution um, because we aren't able to change the Constitution this year. Um, in fact, you know, we, we've decided because of the structure we're going to have, we aren't even going to vote on constitutional amendments this year. So we really won't even be able to change it at all until as early the earliest as next year. We felt we wanted to maintain obviously the secret ballot. We wanted to enfranchise everyone. And in fact, um, we learned that under the DC code, it was necessary that, all members be presented with a chance to vote, not just those uh, who are attending the convention per se. So we had to have a system whereby everyone would be able to vote who decided that they wanted to. Um, those were some of the main ingredients that we felt um, had to be taken into consideration. So um, I won't talk about the solutions we adopted, but we looked at two basic methodologies for having a voting structure. The first is the one that certain affiliates, including um, my own in California, have used, and that would be using um, a cadre of volunteers and some sort of telephone system where people would, you know, perhaps phone in or text their votes, and the votes would be tabulated. And the second would be a, a somewhat higher technology voting structure where it would be essentially run by technology. Um, and so I think these were, I think, the, the main background areas that we had to take into consideration before making our decision. And in order to make that decision, we had to answer a number of questions, including what could the technology do? We had to make sure that we could design a, the other thing is we had to make sure we could design a voting structure whereby we could vote expeditiously enough to get through our elections during the convention. We certainly didn't want to have a two-week convention just to make sure we got our voting done. And we didn't want to have take up so much time in voting that it preempted our program. So it, with that background, I'll uh, turn it over to, I guess, Ray and John to talk yeah, about think, the authority I, piece, right? Right. I think our next step was once we figured out what the problem was, and, and uh, John and Ray can talk about 
Articles of Incorporation and uh, how that meshed with our constitution, we had to figure out whether we had the authority to do this, which we believe we do. And then we need to look into the process piece, which came next. Uh, Ray, you want to start or John? Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll start. Um, and, you know, um, there's, there's really, and there's really two things here. And I, you know, John maybe can talk more about the uh, DC code piece of this, but um, I, I want to give some credit and thanks to Marie H and Maria K who, who, which, who, which we affectionately called them Hanson and Christich on our task force. They did some terrific research in figure, helping us figure out what we needed to do in this area, both and what we can do in this area from the DC code perspective. Um, so that everybody knows, as you saw in the report, we are relying on a, there's a provision in the DC code that says basically that without this provision, the DC code basically says that you have to have provisions in your governing documents to do, to do remote voting. There is an emergency provision in there, which has been in now in effect until May of 21. And we have every reason to believe it's going to be extended um, that um, during the, just during the duration of the pandemic, that uh, organizations don't have to necessarily have provisions in their governing documents to do remote voting. So once we had that piece done, um, we, once we established that piece, and as I say, we have every reason to believe it's going to be uh, extended. Um, it, be honest with you, if it isn't, we're in trouble. <laughs> so, uh, but then, well, then the question became, well, what does our constitution say about all this and, and how is there a way we can do it? And so we spent some time, um, we actually had a subgroup of the task force that went through the relevant provisions of the Constitution and bylaws related to voting. And um, we determined that we could proceed with remote voting and virtual voting. Um, we, we have, as you saw in the report, we have one standing rule that we need to temporarily suspend for 2021 because it specifically says that paper is going to be used for the secret ballot. And, of course, we won't be able to do paper. So uh, we're, we're kind of like those people that are pushing that uh, voting legislation in Washington. We're kind of liking our paper for that. Um, so uh, but we can't do that. And then we, we also kind of looked through the Constitution and we said, okay, logistically, how can we make this work and be in compliance? Um, and so there were a number of things. We said, as we said, um, we are going to do a virtual voting structure. We're going to do the roll call the same as it has been. Um, there are going to be a couple of things we're going to need, uh, like making sure that whoever is handling the Zoom during conventions, the host, and of course our secretary has the names of those who are going to be answering the roles so that we can get, get them unmuted and all that sort of thing. Um, but but we, we, we went through and we, we discovered, as I say, that we had the authority to do this uh, with the emergency provisions in place in the Constitution. Um, uh, so then, as I say, there are some logistical things. Probably the biggest piece that um, I'll mention here to our affiliates that might be listening out there is that um, 
we've asked you in the past, if you want to, to submit your roll call information ahead of time. It is going to be imperative this year that you get us your nominating people ahead of time, because one of the things that's going to have to happen and is allowed is the nominating committee is going to have to meet ahead of convention to prepare the slate so we can follow the structure of the process that we've put in place. Um, so that's all I have to say. Um, we, we determined we had the authority and it was just a matter of moving forward. I'll turn it to John if he wants to add anything. I really appreciate it. And thank you for the opportunity to present. I, you pretty much covered it. My big piece of it was making sure that we had the statutory authority. And some here may recall that uh, at the end of March last year, just as the shutdown was really ramped up and we had this board had not even really decided um, that uh, you're going to ask for the contract to be modified to uh, basically not meet in Schomburg. Um, at that time, I wrote a pretty detailed legal analysis of how you could not do voting, um, how you could not conduct business because our constitution and our bylaws did not provide for any kind of remote mechanism. That bar to the conduct of business was removed by the emergency provision that's now been inserted into the statute, which, as Ray says, ostensibly expires in May, but I cannot believe it's inconceivable to me that that'll be taken away. The vaccines will not be fully deployed. Uh, meetings, you know, way out to the fall of 2021, even to the early winter have been uh, canceled. So I think the powers that be in DC government and uh, particularly their, the entity that handles corporations, uh, uh, Department of Consumer and Regulatory Affairs, they understand this. So we're good on that. And we've also reviewed the statute and uh, we know what's required. Ray's already spoken to the um, standing rule um, that's going to basically uh, cancel out the one bylaw provision that speaks to paper ballots. That makes total sense in a in an in-person meeting. It's unworkable um, unless you want to fax everything in. <laughs> yeah, that has to be um, modified. And to those, and I'm not saying there's anyone out there, certainly not on this board and hopefully not in the membership that'll second guess what the committee did. You have to understand that we're, we have the language we have. No one foresaw a, a situation like what we're confronting with. And no matter how diligent we are, we are forcing uh, a round peg into a square hole or vice versa. However, that analogy goes, I'm, I'm proud of what the committee has done. And uh, I think it represents uh, a real path going forward in the face of the challenges that we're confronted with. Thanks. John, Agree with you, is, John. John and Go Pat, ahead, th this is Dan. Yeah. Just, just uh, for, for full disclosure of information, uh, the mayor, uh, the D.C. mayor, has already extended this um, this emergency declaration multiple times, right? So it's not like right. it was set in May. That's and correct. Moved. I, I think moved. originally it was December or something. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's been moved done several will, times. Yeah, you know, it, it, uh, it's inconceivable to me yeah. that it won't be done again per force. It's a ninety-day extension. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you know, we're 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 going off the best information. So. From what we've said so far is that we we feel the authority um, that we want to follow very closely uh, to uh, what our constitution says, <clears throat> as was has been stated earlier. Um, we're just looking at elections for 2021, and 
get us through this period. And we're not going to do anything with the Constitution. Um, we're not, it's just limited to um, uh, those elections of officers, board, and three BOP. And so we're not going to make any other changes. <clears throat> we looked at the, um, uh, at, at doing it a couple different ways. We were just starting out. So we looked to see what the uh, affiliates had done in their conventions, uh, uh, state conventions. We toyed around with looking at a manual process where we would have volunteers um, collecting, uh, phoning in boats and that sort of thing. But we found that that was going to be very unworkable. Um, and so we took a look at, um, we took a look at uh, three other options, uh, election buddy, uh, election runner, and vote now. Uh, election runner, um, was not accessible. Uh, no election. Yeah, election runner was not accessible. Was not accessible. Didn't support uh, telephone access, uh, which we thought we needed. Uh, election buddy was not accessible from the keyboard, and so then we came up with vote now. And to talk about the vote now system, <coughs> Maria H and Maria K, to tell us a little bit about that system, particularly since they've been, we've been using it now with GDY for, what is it, five, six years now. Um, uh, so the Marias. Hi, this is Maria H. And yeah, GDY started using the system in 2015. So this is going to be our seventh year. Um, we find it very inclusive. It's universally accessible including for deafblind. Um, you can vote independently, privately, and with total security. The, uh, you have options of voting both online or telephonically, you know, with a touchtone phone, or if you need human help, the company will have um, uh, people that can help you cast your vote. Um, the company sends out the voting codes that you need. They'll send them out both uh, via email and snail mail. So it's really important that um, everybody's correct, up-to-date email addresses and snail mail addresses are in the system. And they'll send out the reminders, too. Uh, our experience has been, uh, well, for the last several years, we've had about 44% of our membership actually vote each election, which I think is phenomenal. Um, and it's roughly been half and half uh, voting electronically and telephonically. One thing about voting um, uh, online is uh, at least with us, and I assume they'll be doing that with uh, ACB, there's uh, the possibility of um, giving feedback either anonymously or with your name attached. You know, how you found the experience uh, to be. Um, and uh, nobody from ACB is going to know your voting code or how you voted, but the company has records of this. Um, with 
our system, we could, and, and Maria, I've liaisoned with them a, c- a couple of years. Maria Kay has for a couple of years and Dixie Sanderson. And one thing, uh, well, our election goes on nine days. That's one election. So it's a very different sort of setup from what you have. But um, we love the system. And uh, with the D.C. code, um, you know, every member is supposed to be able to vote and uh, you don't have to, you know, some people can't make it to convention, whether for financial health, work, family, other reasons. Um, And um, this, uh, I I think, is really going to give us um, uh, the possibility of universal suffrage. Uh, Maria, do you want to add more in your experience? Because you're better on the technical stuff. Thanks, um, Maria HES. I will add just a couple of things. First, I definitely want to extend a huge thank you, not only to the whole committee for just ironing all of this out and and talking through the pros and cons, but also really recognize Nancy for doing a lot of Mm -hmm. the research into both of these systems and uh, both of these methods and, you know, talking with Vote Now and the other company and to really, you know, lay out here are requirements and what are your features and can you meet our needs? So that definitely, um, all of that information definitely helped us to reach, you know, what we felt was the best uh, conclusion for us. Um, Yeah, in terms of Vote Now, you know, just to emphasize that this is completely a third party administration in terms of keeping the election private and secure. Uh, if you're a member by the record date, which I believe is 30 days prior to the opening session of the convention, you would receive a mail from vote now. So it wouldn't even be coming from ACB containing, uh, in terms of the email, it will contain a, a unique voter ID number and a link to an online ballot. Uh, then that ballot is a pretty standard form. It uses check boxes uh, and there's text on it to indicate the instructions and the options. Uh, you are able to enter in your email address so as to get a confirmation of your vote, for uh, a confirmation of, that you have submitted a vote um, for your own records. And um, you are able to you know, review your submissions prior to submitting them. And uh, so it is quite an accessible system. And in terms of the uh, hard copy postcards i believe they do uh, just contain your um the the uh voter id and both both email and postcard methods uh of notification do contain you know the, the phone number and um the link as well so um as maria said it's definitely versatile um and, you know, we don't have, I'm sorry, I keep saying we in terms of GDUI, uh, ACB does not, is not going to even have access to your voter ID number, much less how you voted. So really, this is completely administered by a third party. Um, you know, ACB, uh, how, depending on how they set it up, if you, I imagine if you forget that voter ID or don't have it or some such that you're going to be directed to contact vote now because it really is administered by a third party. So in terms of that integrity and security, I want to um, just emphasize that. And also, um, you know, on a uh, just again, I realize this is a change in process um, for everyone, but, you know, I want to just point out an advantage of doing this is that, you know, you're going to have a little bit of more time to consider things, whether you wish to run, if it's a contested election, um, casting your vote and and the like. Um, so, you know, when there is a contested election, there's going to be a certain time period that um, 
uh, people can put their names in if they're looking to, you know, nominate from the run from the floor and then um the ballot is going to be open for a certain period of time and so you know really this gives a lot of flexibility depending on your your time zone and you know what you might have going on as well during the convention work or family responsibilities or what have you it'll really give you a greater opportunity to cast a vote in that you don't have to do it literally at a specific time that it's being discussed at a meeting um and also just to emphasize this is we're talking about the individual ballots uh, the individual votes um the affiliate votes of course are going to be um handled with the delegates uh you know announcing the votes as well but because again there's a bit more of time that contested elections are running there's a bit more of an opportunity to actually you know find out from affiliates how they wish to, affiliate members how they wish to vote so um you know i just to end with um you know uh, I've definitely, from a user perspective, found vote now to be the most accessible of the several electronic systems that I have used. I've found them to be responsive um, in terms of their contact and support and, and working with um, our users. And so I think that you will be quite pleased uh, with the system. And um, I hope that you will be excited to try something new this year. So, Pat, if I could just uh, add a Sure, Jeff, I was going to quickly, but I also wanted to thank Maria H. and Maria K. for your wealth of knowledge on this. I would like to, when Jeff gets done, I would like to add a couple things. All right, Not and I wanted to add one or two things, too. Go ahead, Jeff. Okay. We're going I, I wanted to echo uh, Maria Christic's thanks to Nancy. She did a tremendous yes, job of, of the research. Um, two things have changed since we put together a plan a couple of years ago, two major things. <clears throat> and the first might be a problem for future years, but at least it's good for this next year. And that is that we're not holding our convention over 4th of July, which um, precludes them from having a kind of staff, potential staffing problem. Mm -hmm. So that's a real help. But the other thing, it seems to me, is that the technology has obviously improved. They said, for example, and Nancy may go into a little more detail, <clears throat> but they said, for example, that they could turn the ballot over. Um, let's say we had a runoff. You know, you went from five people to two and they could turn the ballot over in a half hour. That's a tremendous uh, increase in terms of their ability to get a new, new election started. You know, when we talked to them a few years ago, uh, essentially it had to be the next day and it would take them four hours, you know, to put the ballot together and to turn it over, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the technology has improved dramatically. And that's one reason why we had a unanimous vote to adopt this system and recommend it to you. Absolutely. I was going to bring that up, Jeff. Exactly. That's that, that's a huge advance. Nancy? Okay. So some of the things that you guys were talking about, um, ACB, like, you, like the lady said, ACB could mail out instructions out to our members, but we would need to make sure that we are being able to mail them out in both Braille and large print. So if we are sending out a letter, um, we would have both of them on the letter so that everybody could read them. If members have email addresses, I'm just going to say this would be the preferred method to provide the unique voter codes because we won't have that list of the members of record until 30 days before the elections. And I, 
I'm just looking at how the postal service is right now. Mm-hmm. If we mail that out 30 days before um, elections, the postal service has been behind on deliveries. Mm-hmm. And if they continue to be behind on deliveries, some people may not receive their postcard before elections start. So if you have an email address, please provide us your email address so we can email you out um, your unique code for voting. Um, the other thing that um, Vote Now was talking to me about is they do have the option for people to call in for voting. So when you call in, you can do a touch key, touch keys to log in, and then you can choose to have automated voting or Vote Now staff assisted voting. They did say that if we have like a two-hour turnaround or four-hour turnaround, and they have a lot of people that want the assisted voice voting, that it would create a bottleneck. So it might send them into an automated system. So just know that if we have a lot of people calling in, they may have um, some challenges with that. Thank you, Nancy. Yep. And then um, they, they did say that they would be able to turn around the elections within about 30 minutes. Um, so you would vote, they would tally the votes on it, and then they would reset the election so that you could use the exact same unique code for each, e- for, for all the elections. So you wouldn't be given a separate code for every single election. Right. That's it, Pat. And that's, yeah, and that's helpful. A couple more things that I would just stress is that everyone who is uh, a member by the record date is, uh, is allowed to vote. So we're not tying this at all to registration for convention. Uh, that's number one. And number two, the software works both on a PC based and Mac based operating systems. So we're good there. So I think we've, and, and lastly, the one thing we didn't. Uh, uh, Pat, I'm sorry, this is Maria K. I just want to add it also absolutely works on mobile devices as well really? in any right. mobile look. Okay, I didn't know that. I don't think we asked that question. That's great. Okay, that's good. Uh, and then the, the last piece, which I guess we need um, approval for, Dan, here's another budget item. Uh, we're looking at, a co- at the cost for this election to be somewhere between fifteen and $20,000. Right. The cost for vote now would be uh, the estimates now. that we're, we're receiving, uh, you know, could be a little bit lower depending on how much uh, personal assistance we need. Uh, but uh, just to make sure we're, we're, uh, we, we don't have to come back to the board and ask for additional funding, it would be in the range of fifteen dollars to $20,000 is the quote that Nancy has received. And also just kind of a crazy, stupid thing, but I'm just, uh, just trying to clarify for everybody. Even if you have an email address and you receive your code electronically and, and you're more comfortable voting on your phone, once you have your code, you can still vote on your phone. So just because you get an email doesn't mean you have to vote electronically. You can, once you have that code, you can vote in any format you wish to vote in. And if you're from Chicago, yeah. you, you can only still vote once. Right? Exactly. That's hey, exactly. hey, hey, now. <laughs> I'm sorry, right? Uh, all right. So um, the other so, thing that I, I yep. think we recommended, Dan, was also that um, following our past practices, as possible with uh, runoff elections being what we're used to. Also, if Vote Now had a, the ability to, to do a write-in uh, candidate, uh, that's something 
that we have not done in the past. So we, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't allow for that in these elections. That's not what we've done at ACB. Well, and, 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 and Pat also, and I yeah, think Maria ahead. H and Maria K would both, uh, you know, kill us if we didn't mention it. Um, we also <laughs> intend to have sort of a poll oh, during yes. the convention as to whether people would like to have this kind of, you know, remote voting system in the future. Mm -hmm. Yep. Good. So uh, one, one more quick thing, Pat, too, yeah. and for everybody, this, what we're talking about here, this is for this year only. Um, we know that if conventions are going to be hybrid in the future, that we're going to need to take a hard look at how we do voting uh, further down the road. And so we're going to have to um, definitely take a, a longer term view. This, I think, this will, I think, will give us a real good idea. Number, as Jeff said, number one, if people like it or not. Number two, how it can work for us. So I uh, just wanted to put that on the table as well. And we also plan to hold a mock election sometime before the real elections so that people get used to how the system works and, and we can work out any bugs. But so a big thanks to, to the committee. We've got one more part that I want to, I'd like to talk about after you ask us questions and we decide how we're going to move forward. All right. So, so questions. Yeah. Any questions? And then after that, maybe we'll, well, maybe, maybe first let's do it this way, Pat, if you're okay, yeah. maybe we could entertain a, a, a motion and <laughs> oh, uh, a second, and then we can have discussion. Good. So. I, this is David. I, I move that we approve going forward along with the budgeted amount of up to $20,000. Is that yes. going to be okay? And then because we'd have to vote to change it if we went over 20 anyway. Right. With the recommendations in the report and using the vote now system. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll second. And Doug Powell seconds. Okay. Now we've got Good. a motion in a second. We can open it up for discussion. Are uh, any board members who want to be recognized for discussion? Wow. Hey, Impressive. Wow. <laughs> Good report there, Pat. That's what happens when you pass on the agenda. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Go ahead. This is Denise. I just had one question. Sure, so yeah. with a runoff election, um, the ballot that you will receive for, um, like if you have three or four people running and you're dropping people, the ballot you receive, then will it only have those at that point? Will it only have the names on it for that particular um, election? Yeah, for those, those two remaining candidates. Yeah. That's the yeah. understanding. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Dan, Michael Talley here. Hey, Michael. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, I just want to make sure I have the, the right company. I, I, and this is very impressive, this voting system. And I'm, I'm on their website. I believe it is. It's vote-now.com. I just want to make sure this is the same, yeah. same company. Yes, that's correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Good deal. Thank you. Good. Sure. All right. Any other, other discussion? Yes, Jim Crot. Um, I'm going to support this motion, but I'm not going to support it without making a brief statement. I am not happy with the intrusion into our budget 
both that occurred at the executive committee, some of which could be debatable as to whether it had to occur then or could have waited till now. And the things that have happened today cause me tremendous conservative budgetary concern. I guess what really bothers me specifically about this item is I think every one of us on this board knew that this was something that was going to come. We knew that it was going to cost us some money. And yet, once again, we didn't have any hindsight to plan for it in our already in the red budget. It's becoming more and more pervasive here, and it concerns me with respect to my fiduciary obligations to the membership of this organization, as I'm sure it concerns everyone. I think this is a necessary thing. I think we have to do this. And as I indicated at the outset of my remarks, I felt it was imperative to say that I really think there should have been some reflection of some dollar amount in the budget for this particular item, whatever it was, be it right or be it wrong. And I think our budget committee does an incredibly good job, but it just seems to me that there's more and more things that we're not taking into consideration at the time we adopt a budget that we're putting ourselves into a position of just adjusting for later. And I just don't think that's a really good approach. But I Thank you, and to I apologize. I'd I like to respond to that, anyone. too. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll respond, okay, Patrick, respond, Kim, yeah. and Ray. So yeah. first, Patrick. So, Jim, I, I do agree with you. Um, it's, you know, I think that the committee was authorized October, I guess, November time period, we were looking at the budget during that time period. We were working against a pandemic that we had no idea, you know, and that's what's driving this, basically. And so we run into a situation where, uh, and particularly when Jeff and I did this earlier, others, we had more time, and I certainly pandemic is pushing us uh, to move much quicker than we ordinarily would. Um, I think the alternative of not, I mean, we go, you know, we're, we're sort of stuck because we've got 13 elections this year. If we don't hold elections this year, the next year we won't have a board or officers, basically. So we'd be in, in much worse shape. So I agree that better planning would be good. Uh, I think we've done a good job with the time that we've had, and I think we've come up with a decent product that's going to allow us to do what we need to do. And it, it you know, it's secure, it's independent, and the ballot is verifiable. Uh, the decisions were forced on us. Uh, it was not our first choice. 
So I understand your things. Did you want to go? Kim, uh, Kim, I think we had Kim and then Ray. Um, so Kim. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, um, Jim, I, I certainly respect your opinion. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that as a board, it does any of us a whole lot of good to point fingers at the budget committee or the voting committee or the president in respect to this issue, because um, as Pat just said, um, this task force had to go through, you know, several different scenarios to determine which one they felt was going to be the most viable. And at the time of putting together the budget, they didn't have an answer to that. And I don't think, you know, I'm not exactly happy that we have to spend fifteen or $20,000 on this, but I think that it's incredibly important as an organization that we have some sort of election. We're doing it for this year, this coming year. And it was the recommendation of a group of you know, dedicated, knowledgeable people. They came up with the best solution they thought would work best for us given the circumstances and the circumstances are unusual. So I don't know how we could have predicted, you know, what was going to come out as a recommendation. I know they looked at several different scenarios, and this is the one they felt that would work the best for us. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Ray? Um, thank you, Dan. Um, I would just say that, um, I, Jim, I hear exactly what you're saying. Uh, we, you and I can argue maybe over a drink sometime about who's more conservative, you or, you or I, when it comes to spending money. Um, but, you know, I, I think we really, as, as has been stated, we had to, we didn't have any clue what this might even cost us. And frankly, when I looked, when I looked at this as part of the committee and looked at the poss possibility of possibly 13 contested elections and all the uh, uh, things that go along with that. Um, and then I heard 15, $20,000. I was, I was actually kind of happy because that seems, you know, for all that we're asking them to do uh, seemed like a pretty darn good, good quote. Oh, I don't care. And, uh, and I think also that, um, you know, the, the fact that, um, uh, we're going to be able to, um, this will really, you know, as, as much as I hate to spend the money, um, it's money we need to spend. And as many of you know, my red line has been, can we get some of our business done uh, with a virtual convention? And this way we can. And um, I would also just remind folks that a budget, while very, very important, is a guideline. And so we try to plan as best we can and, and that, however, things do come up that we, we need to spend uh, money on. And, uh, um, you know, that, that's unfortunate, uh, but it is the reality. And, and I, think, I think this is, all things considered, this is the best uh, option that we have, and I urge you all to support it. All right. Uh, any other discussion? And, and this is Doug. I, yes, this sir. is a. I, I think um, in uh, in the context of this particular, I, I I think the conversation about this probably needs to happen outside of this particular motion. 
Um, I think there are questions about whether we dip into the reserves or whether we ask the staff to, uh, you know, find a place where they can reduce their spending that we've already approved. Um, but I, you know, I'm not, we've, I, we haven't done that since I've been on the board and it may be a, an interesting discussion to, to delve into. Um, but <clears throat> you know, I, I think for, for this particular motion, I, I can't, I would, I would say I'm willing to go into the reserves to make sure that we vote at this election, yeah, at this uh, convention. Dan? Uh, yes, Jeff? Yeah, I just wanted to um, bring up one point because it was mentioned, um, and it was in the other room, so I ran in here. Um, it was mentioned that, you know, this is a, a one-off, and I don't know that it is because we, we're... We have started a process of our conventions that uh, I believe we're not going to go backward, meaning that there will be people attending our convention and they will more than likely expect to want to vote as part of that convention and they will be attending virtually. So to say that this is something that is a one-time payment or a, one, you know, a, a large expenditure, I don't know that that's accurate. And I think that's something we also need to start planning for and look at to see strategically what that's going to look like for the organization. Because I, I don't know for sure, but I can guess that we're probably going to utilize a platform such as this in the future for our conventions going forward. And, oh, thank you, Jeff. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and I think go ahead, Dan. Yes, this motion is for this year, and I think you are completely right. So as we learn and walk through and, and experience this, then if we, uh, which I believe there's a really good chance we're going to decide after the convention this year is something we want to do going forward, uh, then obviously this would be a line item that we would put uh, in the budget and would have to be approved by the board. Uh, just like we're asking for this particular motion to be approved by the board uh, before we would move on and do anything in the future. So, uh, yes, this I, motion is for this year, including right. the changes. But that that doesn't mean that when we get to uh, November and December of this year and we're approving the budget for 2022, this would not be a line item in the budget for the future. I think there would be some constitutional things that we need to look at and change, and we have to change those at convention, Jeff, um, and in in an in-person convention. But the what's giving us the authority this year is the emergency provision with the Articles of Incorporation. And so we're specifically relying on those. Once the pandemic is over, those rules go away, and it's more of an academic argument but still i think we would have to look at our own constitution bylaws and that's where the ray and john huffman and john mccann came in handy um, is it could it happen perhaps but right now the charge of the ad hoc the the, the, the voting task force was to come up with something for 2021 and i think that's a good discussion to have down the line i agree all right. Any other discussion from the board? Hearing none, I'm going to call the question. All those in favor of the motion signify by saying aye. 
Aye. Aye. Aye. Aye. Opposed? Thank you all very much. I know these are difficult decisions, and I really appreciate everybody's very honest and candor discussion. I think it is. And one last it, piece. It makes me feel proud from uh, our board members being willing to have the good, frank, honest conversation. And Pat, I think the next piece is communications. One, one last yeah. piece. Yeah, starting tonight, as a matter of fact, in about an hour, maybe and a half or so. Uh, Connie Sims, you're. You're up next, along with me. How are we going to roll this wonderful new process out to talk to members about it? Thanks, Pat. And I, I just want to say, too, before I really get started, um, the committee was great to work with, and I want to thank the board for approving it and Nancy's hard, hard work for getting us all the information. So, so as a committee, we talked about how are we going to communicate this in let everyone know. So we, we came up with some steps. Um, and of course, today was the board meeting that's going to start with it. And then now tonight, we're going to do our first community call. Um, so that will be great. And we have the Marias and Ray and John and Dan and Pat and myself will be on that. And we'll be talking. And me. Oh, yeah. Jeff, Tom. Sorry. Yes, Jeff. I'm always messing up with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeff, so I can't forget Jeff. Um, so I think it will be good. We're going to go over the guidelines, the four points and stuff. We'll have the good talking points. Um, and then starting tomorrow with the president and legislative sessions, um, Dan and Pat are going to visit with Tony and um, Debbie Hazleton one or two times during the convention show. So they'll get some information out that way. And then we wanted to make sure um, we started with the presidents, with the affiliate and special interest affiliate presidents um, to make sure that they knew what was going on. So Dan and Pat right now are planning on presenting um, March 3rd for that. And I don't know if we can get it all done in one session or not, but hopefully we'll see. But um, and that way we can educate the, the presidents really well. So hopefully they can take it back and help um, with their their members that maybe not understand it as well or can't get on the community calls. So that will be a good thing. And then we want to start, that would be on the Wednesday the 3rd. So we're hoping, and we don't know for sure these dates will work, but this is kind of the guidelines that we started with. Um, then we're thinking about right away March 5th um, with visibilities with Terry um, and having her do the show. And then going to Sunday, um, March 7th with Anthony. And then Tuesday, March 9th with Paul Edwards and Tuesday Topics. And then at the same time, March 7th, starting the community calls. And what we're plan is, is to have several different community calls starting that week of March 7th going forward and having them at different days times so we can get as many members um, or audience, I guess you'd say even non-members, you know, interested in finding out what's going on and how to explain it. And we'll all have the same basically talking points. So we'll have the, the same things that we'll discuss each community call. Um, and then we can't do, 
forget about the POB. Um, so we're going to bring in Debbie Cook-Lewis and Kelly and Katie Frederick. So we want to have them help with that part of the BOP stuff and thinking that Dan can put stuff in his president message in the Braille forum, um, have an article in the Braille forum, do the dots and dashes, announcements on the ACB radio, and then Facebook and any other social media, and then information on the website. So a lot of people are going to be involved, but hopefully that will be some of the ideas that we timelines and ways to get it communicated. So I'm open to ideas or questions. This is Doug. Um, I, I, I'm confused. And so I think we better make sure that the message is clear. Um, if they're going to close down the uh, voting it, uh, a half hour after it's been gone up, um, then we shouldn't be talking about any, people can vote any time that that they're uh, you know that they're available. Um, Doug, just a Doug, clarification: yeah. the, the the it's not the what they're saying is within a half hour they can turn around another election. This will really be important for us on Friday, which uh, you know for the elections we don't get through on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday during general session, we'll handle on Friday. And one of our real concerns with vote now was, you know, if it took them three or four hours to turn around an election, it would be really difficult for us to get through all uh, potentially uh, elections on Friday. So what they promised us is it would be a maximum of 30 minutes and maybe even less to turn around an election. So we have a election for the fourth board of directors position. They then we could have nominations from the floor and within a half hour, they can have that ready to go for the next election. So that's the half hour. We'll probably keep it open a couple of hours to start with, with a goal of seeing then how, how well everybody, uh, you know, gets through the, the, the voting process. So on Monday, it might take, we might have the election open for, let's say, two hours. But by Friday, after we've done this three or four, people will understand what they need to do to vote since they're key the same all week long. We expect, let's say, Friday to be um, a lot quicker, let's say, than Monday. Yeah, we're, we're going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Dan, this is Jeff. Yes. The other yes, thing Jeff. is, I don't, I don't think you mentioned it. But um, your plan, as I recall, is the first night of the convention to actually take nominees to get down to where we have a first contested election the next day. Yeah, I I can walk through that real quick. But the idea being that the nominating uh, committee will meet prior to opening session, either that Saturday or Sunday, perhaps uh, up to um, Brian Charlson, who's our chair of the nominating committee. So he will then present the slate of uh, positions uh, for our five officers, five board of directors, and three board of publication positions uh, at opening session. And then at the end of uh, opening session, 
we will start down the list and start with president and go to our first contested election. When we have our first contested election, that will be announced, the candidates, including nominations from the floor for each one of these. Uh, so as soon as we have our first contested election, that will be, uh, everybody will be notified and that's what will be on the ballot for uh, Monday morning. We'll start in general session by doing the pledge or sponsors and then in the business section we will have our speeches from our candidates then our roll call vote and then uh, well and for those elections the uh the window for voting will be open as soon as the speeches are over and so uh then uh, later on in general session we will announce the results of that first election and then go down the list again till we get our second contested election and then that will be on tuesday and so far down the path until we get to friday so that's the plan and this is connie and that's what we yes. want that's what we want to communicate when we have these sessions is about how it's going to happen because it it is it sounds confusing i mean i just remember in the, the committee meetings we talked about it and we that was one thing we really discussed about how we were going to do the elections and how the process so um that's one thing that we when we communicate when we have the meetings we really want to make everyone understand the process Right. And hopefully that will give us a lot of time for affiliates to then poll their members and understand their roll call vote as well. And so, we're holding them very similar to the way elections are being held now. Except correct. Try to try to stay as close to the process as we could. But Doug, did you have other we 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 gave you a point of clarification, but you, you were in the middle of making your point. So no, 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 that, that, that's good. That, that was a good clarification because I did not realize that you, it was going to be all week long. So that, that helps, oh, that helps yeah. me understand. And uh, I assume that there's going to be more than one election contested uh, Monday through Thursdays. Well, there will only be time for one of those votes each day, and then the remainder will be handled on Friday because so, we have to do them during general session. So four will be done Monday through Thursday and then nine Correct. on Friday. Well, that you're assuming that all 13 are contested. If that was the case, then that would be the case. But I'm, I'm, I'm where we, that's traditionally has not been, you know, I see, I see what you're saying. Situation. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, thank you, Connie. Thank you very much. Thank you for working hard to put a communications plan together, which I guess is starting in about uh, 35 minutes. <laughs> so, actually starting right now. So thank you so much. You. Um, uh, Pat, thank you so much for the report. Uh, I'm going to go Very ahead good. and ask uh, that we have a motion to approve the voting ad hoc task force report. So moved. Jim Crott, I second. Okay, so Ray moved and Jim Crott has seconded. <clears throat> All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Uh, next um, item is just uh, committee reports. Um, I know we've all do a really good job lately of really keeping everybody updated through the community events and all that's going on. Are there any um, uh, officers or board members that have a report they would like to make about the committee they, I, they support? I'd just like to do two real, real brief, Dan, if I could. Sure, sure, right. Um, because I'm, first of all, um, actually, I'll just do one. Um, so uh, I'm really proud of the Multicultural Affairs Committee. Uh, they are doing some terrific work. 
uh, at helping us to uh, increase our diversity in this organization. And one of the things they're doing is um, uh, tomorrow they will be doing some training uh, with us during the sessions tomorrow. And also they are going to be doing a presentation that you'll hear more about next week uh, on the community events. Uh, ACB Next Generation is going to be having them do a presentation on uh, the 27th, uh, basically a Black History Month presentation. And I want you all to know that when Next Gen asked them to do this, they said, we don't want to tell you what to present. We want you to present your own history. So I thought that was very good. And I'm really proud of Peggy and all the work that that committee is doing. So I just wanted to share that. I completely concur. Thank you, Ray, for that. Uh, any other officers or board members who would like to report on a committee? Not a committee. I just think we need to recognize that the next gen is one year old. Oh, that's right. It's their birthday this coming week. Again, happy birthday, next generation. They, yep. they were chartered at our uh, uh, February board meeting, uh, DC board meeting last year. So yep. congratulations. And, Thank and, you, and, and they have sent out a announcement. They're having an event the uh, night of uh, Monday night, this coming Monday night, the 22nd. They're having an event at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern. So uh, y'all y'all come. And I do want to share related to that, that because they are a new affiliate, they had uh, did not originally been assigned a board liaison. So Michael Talley is their board liaison for those who, uh, and we'll have to make sure that he's added to the list, but I have uh, informed Michael and Amanda uh, Selm of that. All right, any other committees? I know we're going to hear from a lot of them tomorrow through the president's meeting and, of course, all the advocacy committees on, uh, on Monday and Tuesday. Anyone else? All right. Um, Eric and I confirmed, uh, conferred uh, today before this meeting. We, I had the executive session on the agenda, but we do not believe there's anything urgent that needs to come before the board in executive session unless the board itself would like to adjourn to executive session. I don't want to be presumptive, but if everybody's okay with that, I think we will, um, uh, it, it, we, we uh, uh, didn't know what would or would not happen, but given where we're at, I don't believe we really need an executive session meeting from my standpoint. Eric, are you comfortable that we don't need executive session? Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, that so if that being said, I move we adjourn. Uh, and Ray Campbell. And David second. Uh, all those in favor signify <coughs> by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Again, thank you all so, so much. And I do want to really uh, suggest that our members that are still listening on ACB Radio Mainstream, please, if you have an opportunity, participate in the community event call tonight on the voting task force and our recommendations. Uh, it's out on the, Cindy has sent it out to the community list. It's on leadership. And uh, we really would appreciate uh, if you would be, if you have an interest, we would love to answer your questions. So we'll thank you all so much.